Good morning. And welcome to Trinity Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Bibb. A special warm welcome to any guests or visitors joining us this day. Please know you're always very welcome here at Trinity Lutheran Church. And we have come now to the second Sunday after the Epiphany. You'll notice that we, we have our Epiphany colors going this morning. Green is indeed the color of the season, a color of life that we have then in Christ. And part of that life in Christ, we experience many joys. And one of the great joys that we experience throughout our lives is marriages, weddings. And we see on the second Sunday after Epiphany that Jesus blessed a, a wedding with his presence and, of course, with a gift that was beyond comprehension. So I'll turn your attention to the inside of the back cover where we have our Focused on Christ section, a summary of our readings for this day. The coming of the Messianic kingdom means the restoration of creation. The sign of this restoration is that the mountains shall drip sweet wine when the elements of a fallen creation fail and run short at a wedding feast, our Lord Jesus steps in to restore creation and miraculously changes water into an abundance of the very best wine. With this sign, Christ manifests his glory. The back of God is revealed to those who believe. The hour will come when Jesus will again manifest his glory by taking creation's curse into his own body to release us from its power. The bridegroom will give his life for the bride. And from his side will flow water and blood, the holy sacraments by which she is cleansed and made one with him. Through this sacrificial love of Christ, we are enabled to love one another with brotherly affection and to outdo one another in showing honor. We have great joy to receive Christ's body and blood, which he gives to us in and under bread and wine this day, according to his word and his testament. He also bids us, according to his word, that we be in unity when we come forward to receive this sacrament, not just in our confession concerning that gift, but the whole of our confession as Christians. So then, therefore, all those attending the Lord's Supper this day ought to be members either of this congregation or of a sister congregation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, in keeping with our Lord's word and will. We rejoice to receive his gifts this day. It is Divine Service Setting 3, which begins on page 184. That is our order of service. We now sing the first hymn. Almighty and everlasting God, who governs all things in heaven and on earth, mercifully hear the prayers of your people and grant us your peace through all our days. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Old Testament reading for the second Sunday after the Epiphany is from Exodus chapter 33. Moses said to the Lord, See you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor, in, and you also have you have also found favor in my sight. Now therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me now your ways that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. And he said to him, If your presence will not go with me, do not bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? Is it not in your going with us, so that we are distinct, I and your people, from every other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, this very thing that you have spoken I will do, for you have found favor in my sight, and I know you by name. 
Moses said, Please show me your glory. And he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and will proclaim before you my name, the Lord. And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. But he said, You cannot see my face, for man shall not see me and live. And the Lord said, Behold, there is a place by me where you shall stand on the rock. And while my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft of the rock, and I will cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take away my hand, and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. This is the word of the Lord. The epistle is from Romans chapter 12. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be conceited. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel is from St. John, the second chapter. On the third day there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus also was invited to the wedding with his disciples. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for the Jewish rites of purification, each holding twenty or thirty gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he said to them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the feast. So they took it. When the master of the feast tasted the water, now become wine, and did not know where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew, the master of the feast called the bridegroom and said to him, Everyone serves the good wine first, and when people have drunk freely, then the poor wine. But you have kept the good wine until now. This, the first of his signs, Jesus did at Cana in Galilee, and manifested his glory, and his disciples believed in him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God the Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. On this second Sunday after the Epiphany, we have before us a mystery. St. John, he calls it a sign. Jesus turns water into wine in the most extravagant of ways, giving huge quantities the very finest quality. 
Most shocking, perhaps, is that he gives it to those who, well, let's just say, have been enjoying themselves very freely at the sweating feast already. To say that such grace is unexpected and stunningly glorious, well, that's an understatement. The Lord spoke, and what he commanded was done. Water went into six large stone jars, and out came wine. It's a wonderful thing. A wonderful miracle and sign that is worthy of awe, of praise, and of faith. This event is one that overpowers our human understanding. Jesus Christ, true God and true man, came to his fallen creation to lay down his life, to make glad the hearts of men, and even to bless the estate of marriage, an estate he ordained in the Garden of Eden. And from his gracious life, death, and resurrection, we receive the most extravagant of gifts. Unto us, poor, miserable sinners, full of unrighteousness, destined to die, he pours water. And by his word, the Holy Spirit flows like wine, as we are the ones who are filled to the brim. On goes water, and out comes the Spirit, washing away our sins and bestowing life. So it is with holy baptism. So also our lowly bread and wine set upon the altar. And the Lord, who cannot be contained, who is all-knowing and always present and all-powerful, he wills to confine himself to vessels made with human hands. Why? That he might be eaten but not consumed. In order to make us one with him. So it is in his holy supper. With all of this in mind, I'll ask you this morning. Are these blessed sacraments of baptism and holy communion, spirit and body and blood, water and wine, any less miraculous than that which our Lord worked at Cana? Of course not. And yet... There are those who would mock them and count them as a waste. Why should God be present on the altars of men, our critics say, only to be treated shamefully or neglected? Why would Jesus join himself to unworthy men and women, to sinners? But dear saints, we must always remember that God is not moved by the reason of Satan and he is not moved by the reason of fallen men. Taking a closer look at the gospel lesson, something that stands out to us is Mary's complaint. They have no wine, she says. She receives a mild rebuke. Woman, what does this have to do with me? Folks, God cannot be compelled by the law. As sinful human beings, we don't deserve wine. We have no right to complain. We don't deserve mercy. And God is not moved by the demands and wishes of sinful humanity. He is, however, moved by our need and his compassionate response to it. It is Mary's faith that moves the Lord. She accepts his light rebuke and tells the, the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now, he might not tell them anything. He might just ignore them. Mary doesn't know what he will tell them. But despite the rebuke she received, she believes and trusts that her son and Lord is compassionate Another thing we must remember is that, well, Jesus loves weddings. Christ loves his creation of man. He loves his creation of woman. And he loves it when they are joined together in marriage as he ordained. He loves celebrations. And he loves joy. Mary trusts that whatever Jesus tells the servants to do, it will be good, even if it is unpleasant from a human perspective. 
Dear saints, we would do well to take a lesson from the mother of our Lord. Mary trusts Jesus will do what is best. Whatever he tells you, do it. Doesn't matter if it sounds foolish or unwise to you, do it. It doesn't matter whether you understand it or not, do it. God grant that we would hear and believe his word as Mary did that day. You see, this is instructive for every Christian everywhere at all times. When the Lord's word is spoken to us, be it rebuke, exhortation, and correction, encouragement, comfort, or absolution, we ought to be like Mary and simply say, Amen. Knowing that whatever our Lord speaks to us is for our benefit, according to his good and gracious will. That is faith. Faith expects good things from God. Faith trusts God to keep his promises to be our God, to be with us and to be for us. See, when it comes down to it, all of our sins are an expression of unbelief, distrust in God's goodness. When we sin, we are striving in vain to obtain good that we think God is withholding from us. We think that somehow that which God has forbidden or that which God has not given must be reached out and taken, grasped, and that God doesn't really care about us or that he doesn't really know what's good. That's the way it was for Eve in the garden. She was surrounded by good things, things which God had literally called good at the end of each day of creation. She had plenty to eat, food of great variety that was interesting, but convinced by the lies of Satan, she got the idea that God was holding out on her. She wanted to be like God. She wanted to know good and evil. And she thought she could obtain it by disobedience, and that she was clever enough to perhaps teach God a thing or two about what is good. And so with Satan and Adam, she plunged the world into darkness and brought in death. So it was also with David when he saw Bathsheba bathing. David had many concubines and wives already, some of whom were likely as beautiful or even more beautiful than Bathsheba. But David refused to be satisfied in his abundance. And so while he sat idle at home when kings are usually out at war with their armies, David took what he wanted by force costing the life of the child he conceived with Bathsheba and also destroying the peace of the kingdom and also of his own family. Folks, anyone deceived by the lie that sexual sin is a private matter need only look at the chaos David brought upon himself and so many others. His is one of countless examples which prove that popular lie wrong. Such sins always have direct or indirect public consequences. But before you think you are so much wiser than David, you should take heed lest you fall. When you sin, you think that you need to take what you want rather than wait for it. You push your conscience aside. You don't trust God to take care of it. You think that you know what makes for happiness. The pleasures of the flesh, the admiration and praise of your fellow men, material goods, toys, and you choose to take it for yourself. Eve and David, they received forgiveness from God. You see, God wanted their good even more than they did. He brought them to repentance through the firm rebuke of his law, and he brought them to faith through the gospel. And so also at Cana that day, 
The Lord gives more than Mary thought to ask, more than she thought she wanted, and so it is also for us in the sacraments. Through these these miracles, God provides for what ails us. He gives us that which is most needful, and were that not enough, he grants us true peace, strengthening of faith, and gladness of heart. Trusting in his goodness and great mercy, we do what he says. He says, take eat, this is my body given for you, take drink. This is my blood, which is poured out for the forgiveness of your sins. And we do. We come to his table as one who is ill to our great physician and healer. We come as one who is hungry and thirsty to he who is the bread of heaven and the fountain of life itself. We come as one who is defenseless and in need of protection to the high king of heaven, the Lord God of Sabaoth, a word which means the heavenly armies, Christ the king. We come to our Lord's table of grace as those who tried to help themselves but failed miserably. As the prodigal son, back to the open arms of the loving father, we come to Jesus, the one whose body and blood were given in death on the cross so that, we, so that he might give that same body and blood to us in his sacrament and so restore us to himself. We do not say they have no wine. Or something is missing. I need to be happy and satisfied. No. Instead, we say, we have no right to be here in and of ourselves. But you have called us, Lord. We confess our unworthiness. And we confess your merciful might and your right to extend this invitation to all who are unworthy. We come to you, the Lamb who was slain but who lives. And we praise your great mercy. We give thanks for your great love. For you do all of this only out of your divine goodness and love and not for any merit of our own. In this hour, O Lord, your goodness is revealed and it is bestowed and it's given in your blessed sacrament. In your body hidden under bread, your blood hidden under wine. O Lord, since you have called us and made us yours and it pleases you to bestow these great gifts upon us for our forgiveness, life, and salvation, it pleases us also. Amen. Christ Jesus says, this is my body. This is my blood. And so it is. He says to us, eat and drink. And so we do. To God alone be the glory. Therefore, we pray that God would guard and protect us so that our sinfulness and our pride will not stand in the way. So also we pray that we would never take this gift for granted or neglect it but that we might come to this cup filled with wine and find therein Christ's very blood poured out in perfect grace for our sins. In this, your cup of salvation, O Lord, make our hearts glad. In the name of Jesus, amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the faithful gathered here, that God would fill us with his Holy Spirit, through whom we cling in faith to Jesus Christ, our bridegroom, and receive forgiveness, life, and salvation in his holy church. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For Matthew, our synod president, Lee, our district president, Glenn, our circuit visitor, and all pastors in Christ, that the Holy Gospel would be preached among us in its purity, and the sacraments administered according to Christ's institution, let us pray to the Lord. 
Lord, have mercy. For all marriages and for those preparing for marriage, that God would bless them as once his son blessed the wedding feast at Cana, and that God would protect marriages from all evil forces that would put asunder what he has established for our good, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the nations of the earth, especially our country, that God would bless its inhabitants and all who are in authority, that God would prosper those who labor in their rightful callings, that God would defend us from natural disaster, war, pestilence, famine, and every evil, that God would let useful arts flourish among us, and that he would care for our schools so that our children would grow in knowledge and Christian virtue. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, for those in need, especially Earl Burmeister, Shirley Dover, Chuck Taney, John Montman, Ron Lyon, Bob Rash, Chuck Lichty, Erlene Lakey, Lisa Rash, and Ted Phillips, that as Jesus showed divine compassion even for a groom who ran out of wine, the Holy Spirit would grant us compassionate hearts to notice the needs of others. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the lonely, the depressed, the mentally ill, and all who feel abandoned, that they may know the Lord who rejoices over them as a bridegroom over his bride. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For those who approach the altar this day, that by the Holy Spirit they would receive the holy sacrament of Christ's very body and blood in faithful repentance and to their abundant blessing. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Lord God, Heavenly Father, from the dust of death, through the waters of baptism, you take from the side of Christ crucified a bride without spot or wrinkle. Let us find comfort and peace in him. And let us join the whole body of Christ in the marriage feast of the Lamb in his kingdom, where the wine of joy and gladness never runs dry. Through the same Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Well, again, good morning and welcome on this beautiful day that the Lord has given to us. I'll turn your attention to the announcements here just for a brief time. Of course, Sunday school and Bible study following worship. Uh, adults will continue in our study of the prophet Micah this day. Uh, tomorrow, uh, we have our Esther Bible study at 1.30 and then Wednesday brings our midweek schedule. But please also note that 9 o'clock uh, in the morning this coming Wednesday, we do have our Lutheran Confession study group. Uh, and then this Thursday at 7 p.m., there is the Trinity Women's Meeting. We had our Higher Things Summer Conference meeting last Thursday evening. Uh, we've got uh, two youth signed up so far. I do believe there are going to be more to come, but I just want to, again, put before you the dates of the conference and also the registration deadline. So the, the date of the conference is July 25th, 26th, 27th, and 28th in San Antonio, Texas. Uh, youth must be confirmed before the conference in order to attend, and the registration deadline is the end of this month. So if you have any questions, please let me know. You can also see the website for the organization, higherthings.org, there in the, uh, in the bulletin. So Theology on Tap, again, just a reminder that this uh, we will be taking this up again this month. Uh, the dates and times are listed there <coughs> Pardon me, in the bulletin. And then a bit of circuit news. Uh, many of you have already heard this. Some of you have not. Uh, Brother Pastor Carl Gibbs, who is serving over in uh, Emmanuel and Carrollton, is now uh, taking a call to serve as chaplain with the U.S. Navy. So the full information is there in the bulletin, but I do want to read you the quote that they posted on their Facebook uh, page. Chaplain Gibbs, as he is now known, was commissioned as lieutenant in the U.S. Navy Chaplain Corps by our director, Chaplain Mueller, who served in the Navy himself. 
Chaplain Gibbs will soon head to Newport, Rhode Island for school and then begin his first active duty assignment. Uh, this was a very, very quick turnaround, as is often the case for these calls that uh, involve serving in the military. And so I do ask for your prayers for his family, who will remain here for the time being, uh, and also for Emmanuel Carrollton as they begin again the call process. Any uh, announcements that I may have missed? All right, okay, seeing none, God's blessings to you. I'll greet you at the door.